You're listening to From the Front Lines, a special podcast from WUFT during the COVID-19 pandemic. This podcast provides daily updates on Florida's response to coronavirus with a particular focus on North Central Florida. In addition to news and important information, From the Front Lines will feature a member of the community who is working to keep the community safe or running during these challenging times. I'm your host, Ryan Vasquez, and this is From the Front Lines. Here are the most recent COVID-19 numbers from around the state. There are now 154 positive cases of COVID-19 in Alachua County, according to the latest numbers from the State Department of Health. Positive case numbers in the North Central Florida region include 110 in Clay County, 75 in Marion County, and 58 in Citrus County. Almost all counties in Florida are reporting at least one positive case of the coronavirus, with Liberty County the lone one with no cases. Statewide, there are 16,826 positive cases of the coronavirus and are reported 371 deaths. Dignity Village is seeking another extension to its closing date. Executive Director of the Grace Marketplace Homeless Center, John DeCarmine, says until a few weeks ago, the homeless camp in Gainesville was on track to close this past Monday. All of the motion of the plan halted when we started addressing how we were going to keep the campus safe from coronavirus. According to DeCarmine, putting a pause in this project was the best decision for everyone at Grace. We've got a lot of people here who are elderly and medically vulnerable, and their safety is our first priority. So the project is still moving along, but we made a decision that it didn't make sense for us to move everybody closer together if we didn't have to. For now, Dignity Village will remain open until local and national authorities say it's safe for the remaining 23 residents to move to Grace's on-campus campground. The High Springs Fire Department is starting a Caring Cards program to cheer up the elderly in isolation during the COVID-19 pandemic. The department will collect handmade cards from the community to deliver to seniors in the area. The cards can include anything from poems to drawings. Public Information Officer for the department, Kevin Mangan, says the goal is to spread joy during these difficult times. If we can just get one person, if we can make that one person smile, then we've done our job. According to Mangan, the department will be collecting cards through at least the end of the month, depending on how many cards they receive. A Putnam County jail inmate has tested positive for COVID-19. The inmate was living with a person who was a confirmed positive COVID-19 case and was tested prior to any contact with law enforcement because of knowledge of that direct contact. There was no exposure to deputies, inmates, or medical staff. In less than 24 hours, the suspect was released on bond, and the suspect was ordered to stay inside his home and will be monitored by the health department. This was the second inmate to enter the Putnam County Jail under COVID-19 precautions. Another inmate who had direct contact with a positive COVID-19 patient prior to arrest tested negative. Orlando area patients are starting to get treated for COVID-19 with the blood of patients who have recovered. Orlando Health confirmed that a patient started convalescent plasma treatment Wednesday night at Orlando Regional Medical Center, although further details aren't available. The idea is to use the antibodies people generate to attack the infection. Dr. Eduardo Oliveira is the Executive Medical Director at Advent Health Orlando, which is also looking to start using the therapy. But we are now lining up uh, donors, obtaining uh, and collecting Um, blood products and plasma, and just waiting for the right match. So we currently have in the ICU three or four patients. We are trying to match uh, their blood type with the plasmas that are being donated. Donors have to be recovered from COVID-19 for at least 15 days to give plasma. (music) 
Christians across Florida will be celebrating Good Friday today, followed by Easter Sunday. To the disappointment of many, normal church services have been canceled or moved online to comply with social distancing guidelines. WUFT's Melissa Fato spoke with two religious leaders on how they and their communities have adapted to this new version of Easter and the significance of the holiday's message in the time of coronavirus. This has been one of the most difficult times in the life of the church that I can remember. That's Bishop John Howard, head of the Episcopal Diocese of Florida, which is based in Jacksonville. The diocese includes 65 congregations and about 25,000 members, so it has been no small feat to move worship from the pews to the web, especially during Holy Week, which follows the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Easter is the most important day of the year for the Christian. It's the day that changes everything. It's the historic event that defines our life both now and for eternity. Normally the most important day on the Christian calendar would draw enormous crowds, but not this year. On Easter, we ordinarily might have four to 500 people in our cathedral. This year, there'll be about seven of us. We're going to live stream the service. I'll be preaching from the cathedral and We'll actually celebrate the Holy Communion there, but there will be no crowd coming to the uh, rail to receive it. Bishop Howard hopes that although Christians can't receive the literal communion as they would most Sundays, that they will enter into a spiritual communion with God. Still, the numbers online have been good. Our attendance has been good at those services, and indications are that people from here to the Gulf Coast and from down below uh, Gainesville to up near Georgia are, are tuning in to their computers and worshiping in those services with us and will be through this weekend. Other houses of worship are experiencing something similar. I spoke with Father Tom Willis, Director of Liturgy for the Catholic Diocese of St. Augustine. He has also been conducting services to an empty room for those watching at home. It was kind of surreal to be celebrating Mass in, in an empty church like the Cathedral of St. Augustine, which holds 700 people. Father Willis says that they have kept the cathedral in St. Augustine open, though only a few can enter in at a time and must keep social distancing guidelines. Uh, it has been very, very good to see the number of people who are stopping by to pray, light candles. My brother priest and I are hearing confessions as we are requested. So there is still some good traffic through the church, but probably less than 5% of what we would normally see in these days. He says that in difficult times like these, people want to attend those religious services that bring comfort and meaning. Everyone is feeling shaken by these changes. I think in just general for us in the Catholic Church, it's kind of the most crazy thing that we have experienced in our lifetime. Father Willis says he feels heartened by the positive feedback he has received from parishioners regarding the Holy Week live streams. Obviously, celebrating these liturgies and these special days in home is not what we would normally want to be doing, but at least it is giving people a way to be able to do something in their homes to observe in some kind of virtual way, be there. It's certainly not the same, but it gives them at least some sense of connection with the parish and the place that they know most for their religious faith. Bishop Howard says though there are downsides to the situation, he does think the isolation is in some ways bringing people closer together. And I think that there is on the whole, at least in the diocese, the Episcopal Diocese of Florida, a feeling that we may be coming together uh, pastorally and prayerfully 
even more than we might when we uh, enjoy the normal protocols and the normal ways of coming together and worshiping. Father Willis says the story of Easter is also especially poignant during this time of the pandemic, as it tells the story of death and rebirth. As Christians, we believe that the Son of God came and shared in our humanity and shared every aspect of it with the exception of not sinning. Tempted to sin, but didn't sin. And the most important part of that story for us is that he died and suffered a very horrible death of a crucifixion. And yet from death comes life. And the whole story then of Christ's victory over sin and death is really so important for us in this time that when all seems kind of helter-skelter, when our world seems upside down, when we're not kind of sure what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone for some the next hour, I would hope that this story of Christ suffering his passion, dying on the cross, being buried in a tomb, but then being raised to new life would give a new sense of hope for people. Bishop Howard says the same, that even in dark times like these, Christians can take heart in the good news. And at a moment like this, when there's so much confusion and doubt, so much frustration, so many people anxious to get back to life as they know it, and now so many people unemployed, hungry, uh, lines for for food and and uh, and assistance with rent and so forth. So long, we all have a promise that goes beyond this time and this place and our immediate circumstances, and therefore that we can be people of hope, and not just people of anxiety and need. From the Front Lines is a production of the Innovation News Center at the College of Journalism and Communications at the University of Florida. Thank you to our producers, Taylor Levesque, Daniela Mora, Anthony Montalto, Josh Williams, Melissa Fato, and Cameron Lund. Also, thanks to our fellow Florida public media stations for their contributions to this podcast. And a special thank you to Matt Abramson and Craig Lee for their work behind the scenes. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have a story to share with From the Front Lines, send an email to news at wuft.org. That's news at wuft.org. Join us Monday for another edition of From the Front Lines. I'm your host, Ryan Vasquez, and of course, thanks for listening.